Hello, my friends. Thank you for coming to the service today. May God bless you and your family, and may he speak to you today for his glory through the Holy Spirit. Let us turn to him in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for our family, our church family. Thank you for Pastor Sim, Joe, and their family. I just ask, Lord, that you would please just show us what your will is. Please continue to strengthen us and encourage us. Thank you, Lord, for Simon and Edie and for the blessing that has been to all of us over this past winter. Lord, I just ask that you would please help me with your Holy Spirit to speak your truth, to speak your word, and let not my but your will be done. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you could please um, open your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation, specifically chapter 12. I will be reading from verses 7 to 17. So that's Revelation 12, 7 to 17. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but they were defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven proclaiming, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our comrades has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. But they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they did not cling to life, even in the face of death. Rejoice then, you heavens, and those who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you with great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. So when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child, But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she could fly from the serpent into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. Then from his mouth the serpent poured water like a river after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman. It opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon was angry with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her children, those who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. I don't know about you, but 
I love reading about epic stories or battles. There's something exciting about them. When I read that passage, it stirs me with excitement. It sounds epic. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but they were defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. I can almost see the words scroll slowly across the screen in gold, like the starting of a Star Wars movie, hearing a titanic music score booming in the background. (sighs) Brings back fond memories of growing up, watching my favorite movie series, dreaming about epic adventure and excitement. There is one very important difference, though. This story, our story, of which we are a part of, is real. Our story has real people in it, real heroes, real villains, ones of the most epic kind, an all-powerful God who sent his only son, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Anointed One, the Alpha and the Omega, the great I Am to redeem us, his last creation, to save us from our sins. Satan, a fallen angel, Lucifer, the morning star, the devil, the accuser, the deceiver, the leader of all the demons that fights against us. And also, unlike going to watch Star Wars on the big screen, when the credits roll by and you get up and carry away what you have left of your popcorn, our story doesn't end. Our struggle continues, our battle carries on, and while the outcome has already been decided, over 2,000 years ago, when Jesus conquered death on the cross, we still face opposition and strife daily. Okay, you might be thinking, so what does that mean for me now at the present time? Good question. I will do my best with God's help to try and answer that. A number of years ago, when I was first attending college, a friend of my roommate brought over a game that was a grand strategy game covering World War II. It was called Axis and Allies. And it was a board game covering this war. On the one side was the Axis powers of Germany and Japan, while facing them were were the Allied powers of the United Kingdom, the Soviet Union, and the United States. I was so interested in this game that it sparked my very interest in history and studying World War II in particular. In fact, now that I look back on it, it was what actually started my studies on the Second World War for the past 25 years. It also led me to learn and study from what took place to also studying the tactical errors and poor decisions by the leaders and generals of both sides to what could have been very favorable outcomes for important battles. This further study of this had then led me to a book some of you may have heard about. Indeed, for anyone who has studied warfare and the art of stratagem, they will have heard of The Art of War. It was written by Sun Tzu. While this book is not an inspired book, such as the Bible, indeed, 
the Bible is the only inspired book in all of history. It is a remarkable book that does have many truths when it comes to warfare and the successful employment of it. Its presentation and style is actually very much uh, like the book of Proverbs, bringing out in point form different truths about warfare. Why am I bringing this up? Well, my friends, it is my hope, with God's help, to help equip you with our battle against Satan and his demons. For Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So I hope and pray that God will use this lesson on warfare to help you and your families succeed in battle against the devil and his demons. Let us begin. In chapter 6, point 30, in The Art of War, it says this, So in war, the way is to avoid what is strong and to strike at what is weak. Here is that put into practice from our own history. As an aside, I want to encourage you, all of you, to study history. Not just our secular history, but the history from the Bible. All of the inspired writings of God's words so that you can learn from the common mistakes that was made in the early church and during the reign of the kings and judges. It is a powerful ally to learn from previous examples and previous mistakes. One which I might add that Satan is afraid of you doing. He wants you to repeat the same mistakes that our ancestors and sometimes living relatives have been making since the fall from Eden. Anyways, at the beginning of the Second World War, focusing only on the European conflict, there was only one enemy and three allies. It was Nazi Germany versus Poland, France, and the United Kingdom, which included Great Britain herself, as well as all of her Commonwealth nations, like Canada. Though the very same lesson, sorry, through the very same lesson of the art of war, avoid what is strong and to strike at what is weak, Germany was able to defeat Poland in only four weeks, and then France in only six weeks, something that was indeed thought impossible. For example, France had constructed what was called the Maginot Line after the First World War, and it took them almost 10 years to construct. It was a defensive line of concrete fortifications, obstacles, and weapon installations. It was completely invulnerable to aerial bombings and tank fire. It featured underground railways as a backup. It also had state-of-the-art living conditions for garrison troops supplying air conditioning and eating areas for the comfort. In essence, the Maginot Line was one of the most heavily fortified places on the planet, 
thereby becoming the very definition of what the art of war would classify as strong. Okay, so how did Germany do it then? Well, by attacking what was weak, specifically through the Ardennes Forest, which some of you may have heard about. The Ardennes Forest was incorrectly thought to be impassable to tanks, which the Germans discovered through careful study and survey not to be the case. They laid their invasion plans on attacking through this great weakness on France's border and avoiding completely the very strong defenses of the French. The result? Germany defeated one of the strongest nations and standing armies in the world, with very little casualties on their side, I might add. Interestingly enough, had Germany learned from their own success, they could have defeated the last ally, Great Britain. But instead, they essentially lost by attacking Great Britain's strong points, an even more impossible defensive line than the Maginot Line, the English Channel. Backed by the strongest navy in the world, a title that the British had held for almost 200 years in a row, versus Germany's navy, one of the weakest in the world. A sophisticated radar early warning system and English elite fighter pilots, Germany crashed headlong into strength with predictable results. They gave up on their plans of defeating Great Britain and then attacked the strongest army in the world, their own allies, by the way, the Soviet Union. Once again, the wrong decision to their ultimate defeat and having the Russian flag raised over their capital some years later. So, my friends, while we don't have to worry about losing our salvation, that is, for those of us who have put our faith and trust in our Lord Jesus Christ, we still face battles every day from Satan. Let's try to put some of these lessons to good use then. Sometimes, friends, we need to avoid what is strong, as Sun Tzu said in The Art of War, not to confront it. We need to leave it to our Lord Jesus to deal with. Here's an example from my own life. When I was courting my wife before we were married, I thought that it might be fun to go to a museum together and to look around. Turns out my idea wasn't so grand as we both discovered that we weren't museum people at all and it wasn't very fun or exciting for us. Anyways, at the Glenbow Museum in downtown Calgary, there was something that happening that does bear mentioning. As we were looking at the various different displays, we came upon a fairly large room, indeed larger than the room that we are currently meeting in. It had a large entrance, and the outside walls of the room were lined with various different objects displayed. A very curious but also very alarming thing happened to not only myself but also to my beautiful wife. We were unable to enter into this room. Why? Was there a security guard there stopping us from entering because we had misplaced our museum passes? No. Was it packed with all kinds of people? It made it almost impossible to enter? No. Actually, it was at the time deserted. What then? Well, 
it became difficult to breathe. Our feet seemed planted to the floor. In essence, my friends, we could absolutely, positively feel the presence of evil. I have never felt evil so keenly before, not before, nor not even since then, over 13 years ago. We both stopped. We both felt it. It was unmistakable. We could not enter. I also remember at this point, my eyes narrowing in suspicion at this point, wondering what on earth were these objects and what was it that was stopping us. Then it dawned on me. We were looking at a room full of idols. No doubt the museum thought they were an important piece of history, and while they were probably aware of what people used to use them for, they probably were unable to feel what my wife and I could feel now, the presence of evil, unseen evil. It was almost like they were infused with it. I suppose... It was entirely possible that demons still inhabited them, and that's why we were so aware of them. Do the scriptures speak at all about what happened to us? Yes, my friends, they do indeed. Paul said in 1 Corinthians ten, nineteen to 20 What am I trying to say? Am I saying food offered to idols has some significance, or that idols are real gods? No, not at all. I am saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. And I don't want you to participate with demons. Therefore, my friends, I say to you now, as it is written, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Proverbs 4. 14 to 15. And that day in the museum, that is exactly what we did. We passed on. Do you have something, my friends, that you are trying to fight with that is strong? What do I mean? Well, let me share an example of this from my own life. I didn't come to Christ until I was 30 years old. That means, unfortunately, that my younger Foolish days were wrought with sin. My sin of choice was sex. So much so that I was actually a sex addict. After I came to Christ, I had to attend a 12-step program through my church to get help with my addiction. With God's help and for his glory, he was able to break and heal this addiction. However, When you have had an addiction in the past, as some of you will understand, it becomes a potential weakness for you, one which Satan has no problem with attacking you with. So in practical terms, it means that me trying to fight what is strong for me, sexual temptation, as can manifest itself through pornography, is not a good idea if I hope to have victory. Instead, I recognize that this is strong and can be challenging for me. So I instead set a password, a password that only my wife knows by my choice on my computer, thereby preventing me from getting into trouble. Therefore, I only use my computer when she is around. 
or on very rare occasions when I give my word to her for a short period of time. If you struggle with an addiction, my friends, rather than leave that temptation open or accessible, you will find victory by removing it altogether, hence avoiding what is strong. Sometimes, friends, we need to strike at what is weak. I can even give you an example from my own life as well. I remember two specific times when I was attacked directly by demons. Both times were when I was sleeping. Both were an attack in my dreams, which then turned them into nightmares. While I can't remember the specifics that led up to a certain point in my dream, what I do remember is that in both incidents, I became aware, absolutely aware, that I was being confronted by a demon. Of that, there was no doubt. So what did I feel at this point? Well, as I imagine most of you would feel at this point, I felt terrified, alarmed, helpless, and paralyzed, unable to run or flee. But by God's grace, and I can't stress that enough, my friends, by God's grace and not my own doing, God brought to my mind a weakness that the enemy suffers by. Indeed, a weakness that the enemy will never be able to overcome. That weakness is the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. So that is exactly what I did. I called out the name of my master. In the name of Je. Did I forget to finish saying my Lord's name, Jesus Christ? No, my friends. That's what was so amazing about it. Again, both attacks ended in exactly the same way. God brought to my mind how he could rescue me. Call on the name of my Lord, Jesus Christ. And within the dream realm, as I began to say, in the name of G, I woke up instantly and remember hearing my mouth speak, J. On the second and last incident, I also distinctly remember as I was instantly awake, I was sleeping in the basement where it was already very dark. I remember looking up at the ceiling, seeing what looked like a dark shape moving very quickly away from me. What struck me as very strange but alarming was that although it was already very dark in the basement, the shape I saw was black incredibly dark, so dark, in fact, that I could actually distinguish an outline and movement even within the darkness itself. No doubt, a physical presence of unseen evil. That is what I was able to see. So what happened? Well, as I can testify firsthand, in both instances, both demons could not even stand to hear the name of my master, Jesus Christ. It was like the very name of my Lord was testifying to them, and they didn't even wait around to let me finish saying his name. Talk about amazing, my friends. Praise God. I am so grateful that God has given us ways to combat evil. However, just as the scriptures say in Luke 10, 17 to 20, 
the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. Jesus said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you. Rather, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Friends, do you know the joy of having your name written in the book of life? No one knows the time that we have on this planet. No one knows when we may die. Do you? Let me ask, what would happen if you died when you left here? Though I hope and pray that nothing of the sort happens to you, I only ask to try and help you as I do care for you, my friends. Is this really the first time that you have heard about the good news or the gospel? On the off chance that you haven't, let me just take a moment to tell you. There is one certainty, my friends, that we all face. One day, we will all die. No one can escape this. What happens after we die, or rather, where we spend the rest of eternity, is up to you. There are only two destinations, heaven, or sadly, hell. There is no in-between, no second chances. Because God is a loving God, because there is no evil in him, because he is holy, sin, our sin, cannot go unpunished. His justice, because he is just, demands that our sins be paid for. Friends, the question I have for you is this. Do you want to pay for your sins? Or do you want to accept the amazing, truly awesome gift of accepting this truth? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. John 3.16 for you see, friends, God is a loving God and a truly amazing God in so many ways. He gives us what we don't deserve. We deserve to die. We deserve to be punished. It was our sins by our choice that caused us to be separated from God in the first place. But thanks be to God. Because he is a living God, because he is gracious, giving us what we don't deserve, salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, we can be saved. Do I know about God's grace? Yes, I do. God saved me, a wicked sinner, a man not deserving. Friends, my wife is and what was a gift from him. How can you say this, you say? Well, did I not tell you earlier that I was a sex addict? Did I not tell you that I didn't come to Christ until I was 30? Then how, my friends, maybe you guys can explain this to me. How is it that God blessed me with a woman who vowed when she was young 
never even to kiss another man, let alone never be intimate with another man except her husband. Yes, that is correct. My wife, who was a virgin when I married her, would only kiss me when we had agreed to be married. Talk about undeserving. Well, fathers, let me ask you, would you, any one of you, would you grant your daughter who walked in purity to marry someone like me, a sex addict? I know I wouldn't. But friends, this is grace. This is God's grace to show he was showing me that he loved me and he loves me very much. So much that he blessed me with a beautiful, wonderful, God-fearing woman who never even kissed or was intimate with another man. A God who blessed me with two beautiful children and one child who has already accepted Christ, my son, and has publicly declared him as Lord by being baptized. Praise be to God. But more importantly, my friends, God who loves me so much that he saved me, saved me from myself, saved me from my wickedness, and saved me from my addictions. Thanks be to God for his Son, Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior, and my God. Please don't wait, my friends. Just ask Jesus to forgive you for your sins. Just ask him to be your Lord and your God. Ask him to be with you forever. All you have to do is ask. Please don't wait. Don't be deceived by Satan any longer. All you have to do is ask. Thank you for listening to me today, my friends. I appreciate your time. May God bless you richly with his presence and with his love, just as he has done for me. Let us close in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you, God, for making a way to redeem us. Thank you for saving us from ourselves. I just ask, Lord, that and what I'm convinced we're in these last days, help us to be bold, to preach the gospel, to tell people that we work with, to tell our relatives, to tell everyone about the good news. Thank you, Lord. Please continue to speak through Pastor Sim. Thank you for his leadership. Thank you for the elders and the deacons of our church. We love you, Lord Jesus. Praise be your name.